Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Village Church family. It's um, truly a delight to be here with you together. And um, yeah, for those that are new or looking in or haven't been around uh, or have only been around uh, for a short little while, I am Liam, one of the elders here. And um, it truly is a privilege to open God's word with uh, my church family this morning. And so if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'd be aware of the preaching series that we've been going through. Christ complete is what we've called it. And it's essentially looked at the seven I am statements that Jesus has made uh, in the gospel of John. And this morning I have the privilege of looking at the seventh and final I am statement, and that is I am the true vine. And we see that in John chapter 15. Um, And so please turn with me in your Bibles. It will be behind me as well. But the title this morning is I am the true vine. And as you're heading to John chapter 15, my goal this morning is hopefully fairly simple, and that is to paint a clearer and more complete, further complete picture of who Jesus is and who Jesus says he is and what he says is true. And so this is who Jesus is. And we've looked at Jesus, the bread of life, the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the great shepherd, our king, our friend the founder and perfecter of our faith, our great high priest, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, the life, our Lord and Savior, who is the first and last, bright and morning star, faithful and true, rider on the white horse, and the true vine. And this morning, we're looking at that aspect of our great king. Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy of all of our love and adoration and focus and attention? So John chapter 15, we're going to read the first eight verses. Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser and other translations gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, And it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of having access to your word. Thank you that it is life to us, that it is truth, absolute truth, written by you, Holy Spirit. We're grateful for it and we ask that you would speak through it to us in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. 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 So with the, first, with the first five I am statements, it's uh, good to know that Jesus made them in front of the crowds as part of his public ministry. The next two, though, including I am the vine, were not made in public. 
They're part of what is known as the farewell discourse and Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room. He's just washed their, washed their feet and he's now having a conversation with them and he's sharing into a few things. But, but when Jesus said the first five I am's, he was speaking to the crowds and it would have come as a shock to them. And I know some of the preachers have made reference to this, but because of his statements and, and the fact that they were so definite and exclusive, it would have caused those in the audience or in the crowd to be quite shocked and, and often offended because Jesus confronted them with the truth of who he is. However, in John chapter 15, this farewell discourse, Jesus, he's speaking to disciples in the upper room, and it's the night before he's actually executed and crucified. And they've had the Last Supper. Judas Iscariot has left the room to go and betray Jesus, and Jesus almost shares what could be described as like his training manual, describing to his disciples and apostles what their mission will be. That's the context, that's the space that we see this passage in. And one of the key things, as Jesus shares part of this training manual for their mission, is that he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Now, I don't know, just again, wanting to give some context, I don't know if, I don't know for certain if the disciples were picking up what Jesus was putting down in that moment. I don't know if in that moment they made reference or if it required the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost for them to kind of grab a hold of what Jesus was truly saying. But by the time John wrote this gospel, by the time John wrote this, he had made the connection of Jesus not just being a vine, but the true vine. Now, real quick, when I say, when I read these words, We're no strangers to love. You know the rules and so do I. Does anyone's mind go somewhere? Where does your mind go? I just, I did what, sorry? I rickrolled you. I've never heard that before. But what I was referring to was Rick Astley never going to give up, never going to give you up. Rick rolling, all right, that's what I did. <laughs> never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around and desert you. What about this one? You are my fire, the one desire. Believe when I say I want it that way. Where does your head go to that? Backstreet Boys, I want it that way. Tell me why. The heartache. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. When I read, let's bring it back. When I read those lyrics, I expected some of us in the room to see the song that I was alluding to. And in the same way, Jesus speaking in that moment to his disciples was alluding to something from the Old Testament and he expected his disciples to make a connection to what he was saying. Now, whether they did in the moment, I'm not exactly sure, but by the time the Spirit of God was poured out, the disciples, John and the others, made a connection to what Jesus was saying. By him saying, I am the true vine, their connection went to the Old Testament. He was alluding to an Old Testament truth and saying that I am now the fulfillment of that. Now, if you're like me, when I initially read John 15 and your head goes to all those devotional thoughts that you've heard throughout your life, My head didn't go, 
and make a connection between Jesus being the true vine and Israel being the vine of God. And it's probably because I know famous songs more than I know my Old Testament. (laughs) And is that not an encouragement, just sidebar, is that not an encouragement to us to immerse ourselves in the whole counsel of God? Because as we read the New Testament, or as I read the Old Testament, I interpret it through the lens of the New Testament. But I better understand the New Testament when I have knowledge of the Old Testament. It helps me understand it better. And so that's an encouragement to us to immerse ourselves in the whole counsel of God. But the point being, Jesus says something and he makes And he expects and alludes to the fact that Israel was the vine. And Jesus is now saying in this moment, I am the true vine. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold an outcry. The nation of Israel was the vine of God. And God had a purpose and a mission for his vine. And this begins, and I've shared this before, but this begins in Genesis chapter 12, when God calls Abram, whose name becomes Abraham. And God said that he would bless Abraham and make a great nation from him, and that this nation would be a blessing to the nations. That was the call on Abram as the father of this nation. And as we look at the journey... Their journey goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Jacob's name becomes Israel. And from him comes the nation of Israel. And without getting into all the details, while they were wandering in the desert, God speaks to his people and he gives them his specific plan and intention. The specific call that God had for his people. Their purpose, their mission. This is what he says in Exodus chapter 19. Verse 5 and 6. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. On the condition of obeying his voice and keeping his covenant, God's purpose for this vine called Israel was to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It was mentioned in the passage that Phil read, but who knows that God cannot be seen? Scripture clearly says that God, He is the invisible God. But God chose priests to be the visible ambassadors representing and revealing Him to the nations. That's what God did in his infinite wisdom. He chose priests, ambassadors, representing, revealing him. And his priests were to minister, his priests were to teach, his priests were to intercede on behalf, in prayer on behalf of the world. And Israel was also called to be a holy, a Kadesh, a sacred, set-apart nation that was different to the others. That was God's purpose and his mission for his people. This vine, coming back to the vine, this vine called Israel was to bear fruit and be a source of life to the nations. Becoming a blessing to the nations as they showed the nations who God is and what he is like. And from that place, bearing fruit, they would be a source of life to the nations. This was God's mission. This was his plan for his people. 
But if, you're, if you were around for our series in the book of Judges, you would remember that on many different occasions, not just in the story of, of the book of Judges, but throughout kind of the history of Israel, they had become corrupt and unfaithful to God on many different occasions. And this is what the prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 2, verse 21. God speaking through his prophet, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Again, the reference of Israel being the vine. And so this vine called Israel was to go into the world, bear fruit, be a source of life to the nations, a blessing to the nations. However, instead of being that, they had become a wild corrupt, unfruitful vine, as the prophet Jeremiah prophesied. But by the grace of God, and and hopefully you've been kind of coming on the journey with me, but rather than God completely wiping out and destroying Israel, in his infinite wisdom, he planted a good, new, healthy vine from Jacob's stock. This vine would be the true Israel. Because he would bear the fruit that God intended when he established the vineyard of Israel and the nation of Israel. And so as this this old vine Israel was to go into the world, along comes the new true vine who became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14, who was the visible image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. And God the Father, who is the gardener, the vine dresser plants this new vine when he sends Jesus into the world. And this is how, all of that to say, hopefully you've stuck with me, all of that to say, this is how Jesus could say, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. All the promises of the Old Testament have found their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the offspring of Abraham. According to Galatians 3.16, everything about the Old Testament people of God narrows down into one person. Jesus Christ, who is the new true Israel, and from him comes the new people of God. And can I say, Paul saw something that no Old Testament prophet ever saw. Paul the apostle, that is. Jews and Gentiles who are in Christ together Make up the people of God. Jewish and Gentile Christians are now included in the commonwealth of Israel, according to Ephesians 2, verse 12. This gathered people on both sides of the dividing wall of hostility are brought together from two men, one man, one man from the two. Ephesians 2, 15. The two people from each side of the dividing wall of hostility are brought together to make the temple of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. But you are not like that, Peter writing, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. 
Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Peter is writing to the church as if he's writing to Israel. Because the church is the new people of God, made up of both Jews, just like Peter, and Gentiles like Titus or Timothy. Who through faith in the Messiah are united and added to Jesus, who is the new true Israel, the true vine. And so let me just quickly, before I get into my two points from from, uh, the rest of the passage, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about, and for some of you might not know about this, but I'm not talking about replacement theology, I'm talking about addition theology. Every true believer in Jesus is added to him, the true vine, and they become the branches. Nationality plays no part, Galatians 3.28. But the circumcision of our hearts make us new creations and we get added to the church, which according to Galatians 6.16 is the new Israel of the new age. Jesus is the true vine. And as he accomplished his finished work through his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, ascension to the throne, seated at the right hand of the Father, the Father, the vine dresser, the gardener, then on the day of Pentecost, sent his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit poured out on this new people of God. And so bringing it back to the upper room, Jesus being with his disciples as they're receiving their, and again, this whole John 15 is all about mission. As they're receiving their missional kind of training manual from Jesus, they understood they were the branches, Jesus was the vine, and this energized them. This enthused them to then take out the gospel of the kingdom to the world. And you and I are beneficiaries of that. They were to bear fruit, and in doing so, they would be a source of life to the nations. As kingdom priests, they would represent and reveal Jesus to the world, reconciling people back to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And these new believers who would also, you and I would also become branches. Others we lead to Christ will also become branches to the true vine. And ultimately, we would participate in this mandate of disciples making disciples for the glory of God and for the discipling of the nations. Jesus is our and the true vine. We have the same mission. The same mission that God had given to the people of God in the old covenant is the same mission God gives to the people of God under the new covenant. Neither Jew nor Greek. Slave nor free. And so with all that said, the first of my two points this morning is number one, abide by his spirit. Abide by his spirit. John chapter 15, verse four and five. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So what does it mean 
to abide in Christ? What does it look like to abide? To abide is to remain and stay in Christ. Those are other words that can be, your translation might say, remain in me. It's the act of believing and receiving all that flows from Jesus, who is our true vine. Someone put it like this, it's persisting, to abide in Christ is persisting in what happened at your conversion. It's persisting in faith, it's persisting in surrender, it's persisting in obeying what God says. To abide. I put it like this, abiding is day by day contact with the living Lord Jesus Christ, where we experience his power which is absolutely necessary and essential for our godliness and fruitfulness of any kind. It's day-by-day contact with the living Lord Jesus. It's to abide. But you might be thinking, well, Liam, Jesus is speaking to the disciples the night before he's executed. How are they still to have day-by-day contact with him? And the beautiful news is that God sent his Holy Spirit. And so as we abide by his Spirit, we have day-by-day contact with Him. And this is absolutely essential if we are to ever bear and produce fruit. And so you might now be wondering, well, Liam, what, what fruits are you talking about? What fruit are we meant to produce? At the very least, a byproduct of being spirit-filled and as we abide or are in step with the Spirit, the, abs- the absolute least is that we would produce the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But that's at the very least. Because in the context, in the context of John 15... The fruit that we are called to produce is, is, is far more than that. It's that and much more. Later on in the passage, I think it's verse 16. Jesus says to them, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Christ chose us to go. Where else did Jesus commission his people to go? Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Go and make disciples of all nations. God's choosing of you and I is not just to salvation, but also to mission. God's choosing of us is not just to salvation, but also to mission. I remember a few years ago at Ignition, I think I... I one said that we were saved not to be stored, but to be sent. The people of God are not just saved to be stored, we're saved to be sent. Because God chooses us not just to salvation, but also to mission. And this is what it means to be the branches on the true vine. As we represent and reveal Him, we become the source of life to the nations. Because we carry We carry him, we carry his life, we carry the gospel of the kingdom. This is on us. This is the mandate on us as his people. 
Win Ons, uh, um, he's actually 100, he's still alive. He did a lot of consulting with churches in the US. And, and he surveyed members of nearly, just shy of 1,000 churches. And he asked them this question. Why does the church exist? Just shy of a thousand churches. He asked members from each of those churches, why does the church exist? In this context, I would ask the question, why do the branches on the true vine exist? These were the results. 89% of the church members surveyed, 89% believed, and I quote, the church's purpose is to take care of my families and my needs. Only 11% said the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. William Temple famously said this, the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. I'll say that one again. The one time Archbishop of Canterbury The church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members yet. The branches of the vine exist for those that are not yet branches. We exist because of him and because of his mission we exist for branches not yet grafted into the vine. Regardless of nationality, ethnicity, social status, wealth, regardless of it all. Equal social status because of Christ. 328 Galatians. And so, as we abide in Christ through day-by-day contact with His Spirit, here is some of the fruit that I believe we're called to produce. And I just, here's a quick bullet points. We produce the fruit of new converts to Christ. Disciples, not just decisions. Living. We produce the fruit of living in a healthy, loving, godly marriage. We produce the fruit of raising godly children who become branches themselves. We produce the fruit of running godly businesses or being godly employees in and for the kingdom. We produce the fruit of ministering to the widows, the orphans, the poor in our community. We produce the fruit of adopting or fostering children to change the trajectory of their eternities. We produce the fruit of planting and helping plant new churches and strengthening existing local churches so that they too can fulfill the mission and mandate that God has for them as the people of God. This is just some of the fruit that we produce. And yes, we produce love and joy and peace and so on and so forth. And so my question this morning is, will you, will I abide with day-by-day contact through the Holy Spirit? Will I abide by His Spirit day in, day out? And will I obey Him? Because if I do, the fruit will be produced. That's what Jesus says as we abide in Him and as He abides in us. And so the second point this morning is ask in His name. Number one, abide by his spirit. Number two, ask in his name. As we abide in Christ, his spirit and his word dwells within us. It fills our minds, it directs our wills, it transforms our affections, 
and it gives power to our prayers. Verse 7 of chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let me get this right. Our abiding in Christ is how we begin to pray in a way consistent with the will of God. And we then discover the truth. And this is hugely important because if you heard that verse, you might have had a shock reaction to it because of the, the abuse of it. But we discover the truth of our Lord's often misapplied promise. And the truth is this. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's the promise. Persistent, day-by-day contact with the living Lord Jesus Christ by His Spirit enables the Spirit of God, the Word of God, to fill our minds, direct our wills, transform our adoration, and our, 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 what, what, we, what we're into, and it also adds power to our prayers because what we pray is not just what we wish. What we pray is the will of God. It links back to the mission of God and the mandate on the church. And that's why Jesus could say, ask whatever you wish. Because when we abide in Him, what we wish is what He wishes for. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And when our prayers are heard and when God's will is done through the Christian who produces fruit, the end result is the glory of the Father. It's that the Father, the vine dresser, would be glorified. That is the end result. As we abide and as we ask His glory, and he is honored, and he is glorified. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And for everyone to be able to glorify God and enjoy him in this life and in the life to come, we must be on mission. And so just as I gear up to close... Chapter 15, verse 16 of John. I've already mentioned it, but I want to come back to it. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that almost shows us that the fruit that we produce will abide in him as well. People. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And I think we know this, but it's a good reminder. Prayer is crucial to the effective mission. For our mission to be effective, prayer is absolutely vital. Maybe we do not have because we do not ask. James 4 verse 2. Not only do we need to abide, but we need to ask. And... You and I know this mission, and we see it, mission to the world, mission in this world is difficult. And that's why the mission of the church, it's critical that it's bathed and saturated in prayer. Because it's through prayer that we receive the empowering presence of God. And as we go, and as we bear fruit, fruit will produce. Kingdom results will produce. Prayer is absolutely vital. 
And this is why, call it a shameless plug or not, this is why as a church we have a weekly corporate prayer meeting. Not just to tick a box, but because we recognize there is a mission of God on us as the people of God. And without prayer, we will not achieve much. We will not have an impact in our community. We will not have an impact in this nation or the nations of the world if we as God's people do not come together and pray. And those prayer meetings are strategic around what we pray for. There is huge aspects of mission and the mandate on us as the people of God to pray into that and pray for salvations and pray into the the Alpha course that was running and pray into different ministries into the community and into the nations and churches that are being planted. We have to pray. We, We must pray. And if we don't, then I have to ask, well, Liam, where is your dependence? Who is who are you dependent on? And if you like me, you can come up with many, many reasons why I'll pray here or I'll pray there, but I might not come and pray. And, and now that I'm back in Farafara, I can spend more time or the same amount of time driving to and back than I can even being at the premier, just by the way. And that's, I often think, man, maybe I, I could come up with a good excuse tonight not to go. Maybe that's just me. Maybe there's reasons like I don't have time or Thursday nights, my favorite TV shows on, or I don't know, whatever the reasons might be. I've been reading a book by Dudley Daniel, a hero of the faith, a hero of mine. And, and this is, he says, when we come up with reasons in the context of this, when we come up with reasons, what it says is, I'm not willing to adjust my lifestyle to come and pray with the church. Agree with it or not. That's, that's been challenging me. And it's hard for me to say it because I'm on staff here and I'm one of the pastors. But I guarantee I'd be saying it regardless. Without prayer, we will not fulfill this God-given mandate. Could I invite us all to stand to our feet, please? Jesus is the true vine. And as his branches seeking to obey him and produce fruits, we need to abide by his spirit and we need to ask in his name. And so, Father, as we stand before you, as your people, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the true vine. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you love all people. And Lord, we ask as your branches that you would give us courage, that you would give us boldness, that you'd give us opportunities, that, Lord, you'd give us the conviction on why we exist as your branches. Lord, that we would produce and bear much fruit, that we would be the source of life to this community and to this nation and to the nations of this world. Your life, your blessing, that we would fulfill that promise and that mandate to be a blessing to the nations. Help us, Lord. Help us to abide in you. Help us to have day-by-day contact with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.